Welcome to a special episode of the Wednesday Conversation. I'm Pastor Bob Thune of Cormdeo Church, and this is the Wednesday Conversation Commentary. This is a new feature we're going to do occasionally on the first Wednesday of the month to give me a chance to provide perspective and commentary on events in our culture and on what it means to live life and engage the world from a Christian perspective. On these commentary episodes, I will offer, it's sort of like a chance for me to do a verbal blog post. I got my start uh, in ministry in the early days of blogging. And one of the things I really enjoyed doing was being able to write and have people interact with those thoughts and provide commentary and perspective and critique and analysis. And so this is essentially a verbal way of doing that. So on these commentary episodes, I'll be alone on the podcast, offering some commentary and hopefully giving you some interesting things to think about and ponder as you engage life and the world around you as a Christian. As always, as you have feedback, comments, or things you'd like to hear us talk more about, feel free to email podcast at cdomaha.com. Now here's this month's Wednesday Conversation Commentary. In 2013, Facebook CEO Sheryl Sandberg released her book, Lean In. It was a fresh expression of basic feminist principles penned by one of corporate America's most successful women. The pre-release marketing campaign all but assured the book's success before it even hit the shelves. In the June 22 issue of The Atlantic, one of my favorite feminists, Caitlin Flanagan, looked back on the publication of Sandberg's book and on what's transpired since that marketing campaign in 2013. Here is an excerpt from Caitlin Flanagan's article. She writes, In publishing, there are some books that are too big to fail. Very early on, you get the message that this is a major and very important book. In 2013, that book was Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In, Women, Work, and the Will to Lead, which sold more than 1.5 million copies in its first year. She was the chief operating officer of Facebook back when most of us had no understanding of the platform's fearsome powers. In the halcyon days when we thought it was just for sharing pictures of the grandkids and ruining marriages. The book was about how women can make it to the top. It was sort of a work-life balance category buster because she was telling women to pretty much forget about the life part. In the weeks before the big rollout, I was contacted by editors at several publications asking if I would write something about it. I knew exactly what they wanted. Not the main article, which would be a rapturous announcement of this bold American visionary. They wanted some crank to pump out a what about the children sidebar, pointing out that to lean into work, you have to lean away from your family to lend a spirit of objectivity to their 21-gun salutes to author and book. Trust me, around 2013, I was the top crank for that kind of thing. Flanagan goes on to describe how she accepted a contract to write a review for Time magazine, which was titled, What About the Children? And you can still go find it out there on the internet. Then she goes on to describe where Sheryl Sandberg is now. And again, I'm reading now an extended quote, from Flanagan's article. Sheryl Sandberg announced this month that she's resigning from Facebook, now called Meta, to focus on her philanthropy. Her work there is done. During her 14 years at the company, she's done so much damage to our society that we may never recover. During the Trump campaign, we got a taste of what a giant, mysterious corporation can do with all of our information. 
a political consultancy called Cambridge Analytica, had gotten hold of the personal data of up to 87 million Facebook users. We made mistakes and I own them, Sandberg eventually said about the Cambridge Analytical scandal. They are on me. The impression was of radical transparency. The buck stops here. But, according to the New York Times, the buck was about to embark on an oh-the-places-you'll-go journey to the bottom of the earth. Sandberg oversaw the company's bizarre damage control efforts. It was an old-school dirty tricks campaign combined with the unimaginable power of Facebook. That campaign included hiring a Republican opposition research firm to discredit activist protesters, in part by linking them to the liberal financier George Soros, and lobbying a Jewish civil rights group to cast some criticism of the company as anti-Semitic. Now we learn that Meta has been investigating Sandberg for possible misuse of company resources. The Wall Street Journal reported that some of her colleagues think she may have broken SEC rules by having Facebook employees work on her pet projects. These include her Lean In Foundation, her second book, Option B, Facing Adversity, Building Resilience, and Finding Joy, and even her upcoming wedding. So, farewell to Sheryl Sandberg. But maybe her departure is finally the moment to answer the question Time Magazine asked me so long ago. What about the children? The next six paragraphs of Caitlin Flanagan's article are some of the most compelling words I've ever read. And if you're a mom who's raising small children, I'd encourage you to go read them. I'll link the article in the show notes for this podcast. The whole article is a testament to why I love Caitlin Flanagan's work. She tells it like it is, in feisty prose, and without regard for whether it conforms to standard feminist orthodoxy. So I commend her article to you. But this podcast episode isn't about parenting or motherhood or feminism. It's about another kind of leaning in that I want to encourage Christians to practice. Both of my sons grew up playing baseball. My younger son departed for college this past month. Our baseball journey as a family began when my older son was seven, which means that I've spent the last 16 summers on the baseball diamond. I can't possibly count the number of hours I've invested in the sport of baseball. And I've loved every minute of it. Helping your kids learn and enjoy a sport is one of the great joys of being a dad. To this day, the only championship trophy that either of my sons have held above their heads was in Little League Baseball. And those are moments that will be etched in our memories forever. I'll never forget the year Pastor Dusty and I led our 10-year-old team to the Hillside Little League Championship with both of our sons on the roster. We played the final game under the lights and beat those punks from Memorial, the rival Little League down the street with more resources and more affluent people. It was a satisfying victory. But I digress. Baseball is one of those sports that requires a steady development of skill. Building the hand-eye coordination and the technique and the muscle memory takes years. And even after the skill development is perfected, there's a strategy aspect to the game that requires even more attention. Most coaches refer to that aspect of the game as situational baseball. Knowing how to direct a bunt down the third baseline or put on a suicide squeeze or how to turn a double play or in what moments you should throw home from the outfield versus throwing to second. These moments all require discerning the situation and knowing the right play at the right time. And that's the trick in the higher levels of baseball. Now, I'm not sure where Sheryl Sandberg got the title for her book. Maybe she had no sports analogy in mind at all. 
But leaning in is something every baseball player understands. There comes a moment as a batter when you have a decision to make. The pitcher throws an inside pitch, one that looks like it's going to hit you. Most young players lean back or even step out of the batter's box and settle for a ball call from the umpire. But the experienced players, the ones who know that the situational goal of an at-bat is to get on base, those players lean in. They let that fastball hit them on the forearm or the shoulder or the thigh or the ankle, and they take that HBP hit by pitch, and its subsequent reward, a free trip to first base. As a coach, one of the goals in developing a young player is helping him to choose to lean in, helping him learn to endure the temporary pain of a baseball to the thigh for the greater good of getting a runner on base in a close game. Now, the higher levels of baseball have gotten wise to this strategy, and so most high school umpires will call a batter out if he intentionally leans into a pitch, which means the best high school and college players know how to lean in just enough to get the walk. It's strategy, you see. And all of this brings me now to the main point of today's podcast, which has to do with the culture war, a phrase that I don't even like, but that does express something real that's happening around us. I want to urge Christians to lean in. Most Christians, especially in the circles we tend to run in, have an aversion to the whole idea of culture war. We lament the polarization of our society, the power games of both political parties, the politicization of almost every area of life. When asked to choose between Democrats and Republicans, we often feel an affinity with neither. We realize that the gospel sets us free from the standard left-right dichotomy and brings us into a whole new realm of discourse. Jesus commands both liberals and conservatives to repent. He demands that both Democrats and Republicans bow the knee to his rule and reign. And yet, as Oliver O'Donovan and other theologians have pointed out, we still have to live under some government. Politics is, in fact, an inescapable part of our life in this world. And it's one that matters for the just and stable ordering of society. Someone is going to decide what kids are being taught at the local school. Someone is going to decide what crimes are and aren't going to be prosecuted in your city. Someone is going to decide whether nonprofits should be tax-exempt and whether drugs should be legalized and whether the right approach to homelessness is housing first or treatment first. And if you're going to say that Christians shouldn't have an opinion on those things, well, I'm going to say that you're wrong. Christians should have an opinion on all these matters because they're all about the public good. Or to say it another way, these are creation order concerns. There's a story, a fable I'm sure, about a new missionary who's sent to the untamed wilds of the jungle. His mission agency has set up a medical station to treat the victims of an alligator who regularly attacks the canoes and boats of native fishermen. Whenever the alligator attacks, the locals bring the bleeding, maimed victims to the medical station to have them treated. After observing this cycle for a few days, the new missionary asks the obvious question. Why doesn't someone go kill that alligator? 
That's a fitting metaphor for how some Christians seem to understand the work of Christian ministry. We'll just stand by while the culture chews up the human beings around us, and then we'll share the gospel, introduce them to Jesus, and nurse them back to health. But the obvious question is, why not keep the culture from chewing them up in the first place? To do so, we're going to have to lean in. The lie that's being told in many corners of our society right now is that the culture war, quote unquote, was instigated by the Christian right. That Christians are the aggressors seeking to impose our Christian values by force on a recalcitrant and secularized society. But that's a laughable straw man. It's never been the case, and it's certainly not the case today. The war has been brought to us. There are aggressive forces all around us seeking to punish Christians for holding traditional Christian viewpoints in public life. Look no further than the bevy of recent Supreme Court cases dealing with religious liberty. The vision, at least of some on the progressive left, is not a vision of pluralism and tolerance where each person can live in line with his own convictions as long as he does no harm to his neighbor. Rather, the vision on assent in our culture is a vision of cultural uniformity where we all pledge allegiance to progressive orthodoxy and neo-Marxist politics and woke capitalism. To go back to our baseball analogy, it's not the Christians who are playing dirty. It's the cultural left that's throwing fastballs high and inside, trying to brush us back from the plate and make us afraid to be on the field. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we should rush the mound and start a fight with a pitcher or clear the benches in an all-out brawl. I realize there are people in our society saying those things. I am not one of them. But what I am saying is that it's time for Christians to lean in. One of the weaknesses in our gospel-centered tribe, which I'm happy to be a part of, is to emphasize redemption at the expense of creation. Or to say it another way, a tendency to emphasize grace at the expense of nature. But as Herman Bovink observes, grace restores nature. The fact that Jesus came to graciously redeem a sinful and broken world doesn't mean that we don't care about the sin and brokenness in the world. Yes, we want people from broken families to be redeemed by Jesus and to find a new family within the people of God. But we should also care about keeping families intact. Yes, we want addicts to be redeemed by Jesus and find healing and recovery within the body of Christ. But we should also care about keeping people from becoming addicts in the first place. Yes, we want to offer God's grace to the sexually broken. But we should also care about imparting to our children a proper vision of sexual integrity and purity. Creation establishes norms for human life. And if we care about having a stable, healthy, and just society, we should want to see those creation order norms protected and preserved. So Christian, don't be afraid of the culture war. I don't like the term either, but it's okay to acknowledge that we are in fact in a battle. 
the fight over what public policies will define our common life together in society is a fight we should care about. And it's the duty of every Christian to lean in. I'm Bob Thune, and that's this week's Wednesday Conversation Commentary. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week for another episode of the Wednesday Conversation.